you realize now that the fact that you guys don't want want that dude is exactly the reason that why they're going to get him. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, April the 6th. It's almost the best day. It's like one day short of the best day. Uh, two years ago today, we were uh, Ferber and I were in Minneapolis um, <laughs> watching Kyle Guy stroke three free throws uh, in... in uh, complete defiance of all you know manner of reason uh, and logic to put UVA into the national championship game um which coincidentally enough is uh, the, the last time I worked like really really worked on my birthday um anyway we are going to talk about where Virginia basketball is now that they are the Cavaliers are no longer the reigning national champion um Baylor put the molly wop in on uh, Gonzaga last night which we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna break that down don't worry but we are going to talk about kind of the the sort of uh, situation as it is. Um, you know, the the transfer portal continues to be, um, you know, it's it's uh, mysterious in the way that most portals are. I don't know. Um, and then we're also going to get into spring spring football. We talked about it last week when uh, Ferber wasn't here. Um, <laughs> although Dave is very salty that whenever Dave's not on the show, we we forget to mention it until like you know the last minute and a half. Uh, but when Ferber is not on the show, not only did I remember to mention it right off the top, but now I've actually mentioned it again right off the top that he wasn't even here last week and he's actually here tonight. But anyway, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, the aforementioned David Spence up in Fishersville. How's it going, my friend? Uh, feeling pretty slighted, man. I appreciate you, though. Now, it's been a busy week. You know, the bir- your birthday coming up. I got to figure out what I'm going to get you. So oh, God. I went over to my buddy Paul Pierce's house the other night. We were hanging oh, out. Oh, wow. Um, uh, <laughs> Wow, Got a little a dicey. He had no ideas. Um, happy birthday, Brad. Who days on the board <laughs> at who days on Twitter. There's a there's a niche joke. All right. Uh, up in Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. I assume you're in Loudon, but I'm not really sure. What's going on, my dude? I am. I am in Loudon. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Last week you know, on the way home, um, I was out of town and I was listening to the podcast and I kept wanting to like chime in. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a microphone. This isn't going to work. <laughs> um it's like I should, you know, let's re-record this thing. Um, nah, it's cool. You guys did a great job in, in, uh, in my absence. So, um, defeating all of the odds. So, Justin <laughs> underscore Ferber. Happy birthday, Brad. Thanks. Uh, Cavs Corner, also under Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional wee banter. I just I just got this idea that when I go to the beach or something this summer, I want you guys to record the podcast because I don't know what it's like to listen to the podcast when I'm not on it. And I just think that that would be incredibly infuriating for me, and I would I, I want that experience for myself. I don't know why. But I think the the best thing we could do is have like really bad audio quality and stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and just like listen to Brad just grind his teeth 
while he listens. Yeah. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah, we, now listen. we know his trigger topics too, so we can make sure we hit on all of those <laughs> trigger topics. Well, you know, it's really funny. Gonna, like an ode, an ode to the security staff. No, but check this out. So it's really funny. Ferber said the thing about grinding your teeth because I've literally. I've been I've been waiting for, for like a consult on this root canal that I'm going to have to have because I have this one tooth that is trying to kill me. And uh, coincidentally enough, I'm almost positive that Virginia is going to get a um, a transfer portal commitment on Thursday morning, roughly at 11 o'clock, because that's when I'm going to be at the Indantas. I'm telling you. All right. Somebody save this clip because this is going to happen. It, mm-hmm. This is the way it always works. When 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 movies were a thing and we could go to movies, inevitably, whenever I was in a theater was when Virginia got a commitment in football. Right? It was all I was always somewhere. The like literal only time it couldn't happen, and it always happened. So I'm telling you, Thursday eleven o'clock, you be you be watching Twitter. Some something's gonna pop. I'm just telling you. There's some sort of root canal transfer portal segue in here. I just haven't quite. Yeah, just can't land it. Yet. Yeah. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. I don't know if I did this already. Uh, the content items is occasion way to banter. All right. Um, so the portal is open. Virginia has not since the the previous recording added anyone to the portal, which in this day and age is a win. We should count that as a win. I'm counting it as a win. It's a clear win. Um, I, I mean, we we Dave and I, I think did a really good job. You know, not to toot our own horn of sort of talking about the totality of circumstances. I loved as we were talking through like the potential, you know, additions and such, Dave would randomly just go, just randomly say, not that we know anything because <laughs> he was trying to save us from, you know, a, you know, the, the mob coming after us when, you know, said players would, would go elsewhere. It's very clear to me at this point, And I'm curious to get, uh, kind of do like a little status check on, on how everybody's feeling about the portal right now. Because it's very clear to me that Virginia has irons in the fire kind of everywhere. But at the same time, at this point, has not really been able to move the needle much with with the dudes who, or I guess maybe move the needle much consistently with the guys who would really sort of turn the narrative among fans around. And I was thinking about this last night. We were talking about Gonzaga and the way fans kind of reacted to the way they got housed last night by Baylor and sort of the way maybe Virginia fans are viewing sort of where the program is and that kind of thing. And I really feel like that the transfer portal, which I guess we should note for the record, is not just like these couple weeks. Like this is going to be a thing that could last for a little while, right? Like guys can make decisions right now and it makes the most sense maybe to make decisions right now, whether you're going to leave or whatever, but that doesn't mean they have to, right? Like there's still plenty of time into semester, all that fun stuff. But, um, you know, I was just kind of thinking through, like, it makes sense to me that that the narrative among fans right now is a little bit, you know, some fans at least, is a little bit of worry, and that, you know, a couple of nice transfer additions could help that. What's probably going to be the case is that they're going to be guys who are going to feel more like role players and stars, and I'm curious to get reactions. I know just from our conversations in general that Dave is, that this is Dave's, one of Dave's worst nightmare scenarios that um, Virginia essentially doesn't add like an impact guy, a guy who can sort of um, come in and, and really carry a lot of the load. Um, but I actually want to start with you, Ferber, and you're the more measured of the group. Um, you know, Dave's the one who hand rings. I'm the one who gets fired up. You're, you're typically the one who, who thinks things through before you speak. What's your gut tell you right now on 
the portal and sort of where things are. Is it coming down to just Gardner Fleming, those types, or do you expect maybe Virginia's got a shocker in its system? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're setting me up for failure by saying that I think all the things I say through because a lot of them are going to sound dumb in a few days. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that things are starting to, you know, like come into focus, I guess, partially because a lot of the guys have already committed. Like, I mean, obviously we're early in the days of the transfer portal. The season just ended last night. Like, there's going to be more guys that enter it too. Like, I guarantee you that's going to happen. We're going to have a few more, you know, coaches, coaching searches are still sort of, you know, happening. Um, you never know like another guy, another coach could go to the NBA and then, you know, that school's in flux that could create a trickle down. Who knows? Um, and you're going to see more guys that are committed to schools, try to get out of their letters of intent. If their coaches left, that sort of opens things up too. So like, I mean, I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done, but I think we're starting to see the same kind of names, highlighted with UVA in the last few days. Um, and, and it's starting to seem like there's a market there that's, you know, coming together. Um, as far as the top guys, uh, I think Flanders Fleming, um, who's a guy that I'm pretty familiar with actually, because I watch a decent amount of big South basketball and he's a good player. I mean, he's a guy that he can defend. I think he's a pack line ready guy from day one. I mean, obviously there's a little bit of a, learning curve but i think he's he's certainly capable of coming in and being really good on defense and he was a premier scorer can get to the rim good to get into the free throw line um yeah obviously ha there's a lot of interest there but it seems like he's working his way towards the decision i think sunday he announced and then uh gardner from ecu i think is another guy that he just released his top five a couple hours ago uva is one of the five um i think that he is an intriguing ad because um Though he's only six seven, I think he's a big. Like he's just a small big. Like the way he plays and the way he would play for UVA, I think that he could be an impact player. And really, I think if they wanted to, they could get both of those guys and they could play them at the same time, and be successful. Um, you know, as far as like what else I would like to see them do or, or where they could maybe end up, um, I think that especially if you go after those two guys, you're gonna have to find a way to make up for your losses in outside shooting. Um, with Hauser gone, um, will the Tensite gone, and and obviously you still have Tane Murray coming in. So and he's somebody who we expect should be able to shoot based on his high school career. Um, you never want to take that for granted, though. Um, so I think that if they added guys that can get to the rim and defend, and, and maybe a big guy, um, they also probably need somebody that can shoot from the outside. Um, and Fleming's not a terrible outside shooter necessarily, but that's probably not the strength of his game if he's playing the two. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the, the roster is starting to sort of come into focus if they can nail down a couple of these guys, especially these top two guys, Fleming and Gardner. I think if you add one or both of those, um, they should be impact additions, I think, right away. I, I think as, as I sort of – look at the grand scheme of things here. I think it's it's important for all of us to sort of myself included actually, to sort of look at the the, the portal in a in a slightly different manner, right? And I'm not saying that anybody who that whether it's Dave or us or whoever, right? Um who who looks at the portal and wants to to get the stars. It's it's a lot like recruiting in general, right? Like you 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 look at the at the available options and you think about who's the Who's the guy with the most potential? The guy who's put the most out there? 
um, you know, the most attractive pieces to add, right? Um, it's not it's not wrong to think like, oh, Walker Kessler this or, you know, whatever. But at the same time, we got to be careful, I guess, to think like as the coaches look at the, the board, right, what, what options do they see? It's pretty clear to me because they keep reaching out to so many different guys that they – they really don't have, um, you know, they haven't been like all in on this guy or that guy. Gardner seems to be a dude that they have really zeroed in on. And certainly they are making a hard push for him and Fleming both. But at the same token, you know, you know, for example, the, the Kessler Powell combination that was floated out there for a while. Um, you know, and, and I had heard, you know, through folks that, you know, that might be something that could happen, but it certainly, seem like on the back end that Virginia, whether the degree to which they were really interested in Powell, um, you know, it, it really sort of depended on the day and the time, right? Uh, who you were talking and to. And also if they're, if they're still reaching out to the guys at his position, then clearly it would have been news to them if they were locked up. Right. Yeah, exactly. No. And I mean, and I don't, I'm not even going to that, going to that extent. I'm just thinking like their actual interest in, you know what I mean? Like maybe they had some general interest, but they certainly weren't like, Hey, let's lock it down and get this done. And we're going to wait yeah. till he tells us no, before we move forward. The fact that Virginia continues to make contact with so many guys as they enter the portal tells you, in my opinion, that, um, you know, I, I mentioned this before, right? Like they're not going to waste time on guys they don't want. So the reason they're reaching out to so many guys is because they're trying to find both guys they like and both as well as guys they can get. And I, I think that process continues because they have not zeroed in on the guy that they feel like is, you know, giving them the vibe that, you know, Hey, this might work. Just, you know, see what I mean? Like, um, certainly, um, Fleming and Gardner seem to be the guys that, um, that folks connected to the program feel the most comfortable about, but that doesn't, that's not quite the same thing as saying like, Hey, they're the top two targets. Um, and I think transfer recruiting, I've mentioned, I've said this before is a, it's in so many ways, a very different animal than regular old high school recruiting. Dave, as we have now talked a lot about sort of the big picture, what's your level of pessimism? You know, if pessimism, you know, we used to play this joke about if optimism, you know, was up six with a minute to go or whatever. How, in your mind, um, where, what's your level of pessimism right now for, for UVA really making the most out of this uh, spring slash early summer transfer portal situation? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, look, there's some, there's some dominoes that have fallen. So, yeah, anytime you lose a, a potential domino that, you know, could have made you better, I think your pessimism has to increase some. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the Powell Kessler combo potential was out there and even Trevor kills hadn't committed when we recorded last, even though we kind of knew that was happening until it was said that was still, you know, <laughs> some a of a glimmer did. of hope, right? Some I of mean, us every, I think everyone knew, but it was still, still wasn't official yet. At least um, one of us was holding out hope. I'm not, I'm not going to say who. No, I mean, I'm not saying it's hope. It's just, <laughs> there was something out there, right? <laughs> um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, Walker Kessler, you know, it sounds like Hubert, uh, Hubert Davis is going to make every intention to try to get him back to Carolina. I don't know how that would play. It seems odd he'd transfer out because of Roy Williams. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, I mean, I was listening back to the podcast from last week, and I think I hit on it a little bit. But it's something that I was kind of banging around in my head today. It's, you know, Tony, I know what I said last week, but, you know, Tony's kind of always – hits us with that line. Like you got to have guys you can lose with before you can win. Right. And if you look at what we've done on the transfer market, 
um, you know, they've had some success with, you know, Hauser and you know, Braxton Key and, and Trey Murphy. Um, and then, you know, some guys with <laughs> with worse results like Austin Nichols. Um, but the one thing I know, and, and, you know, Anthony Gill obviously was good. But the guys who normally when they go get a transfer, they're adding to a very stable roster. You know, Austin Nichols might be the exception. Um, but like Braxton Key, they were adding it to the 2016 class. It was another piece, right? Like that that team had its identity and leaders. And then Trey Murphy coming in with this new team this year. Obviously, Hauser was, you know, a transfer who was set out, but they knew who he was. He had been around a year. Um, they had Huff, who was, you know, had been with the program. Um, so I felt like the team, the team we just saw finish the season certainly had a little more, you know, proven leadership than the one that's, you know, the roster that's currently being formed for next year. So I think, it, you know, knowing Tony and knowing the staff, I think it's not a surprise to me to see him maybe not, you know, being as quick as some other schools to throw out offers or whatever. Um, quick for They seem to be quick for them, but these transfers are going to have a much bigger impact on the team as a whole than a typical transfer under Tony Bennett. Um, cause if you look they, you know, I think we all agree Kihei is the leader on the team coming back next year. Um, and then it's a bunch of guys who, you know, Beekman might be number two in that list because everyone else has kind of been role players their whole career. Um, and then Trey Murphy, obviously, whether he's back or not, it yet to be seen, um, tea leaves are, <laughs> you know, tea leaves are saying the NBA likes him a lot. So, um, it's an interesting team. So I think you've got to make sure the guy's not only good fit as a team, you know, as a player, but he's going to come in and buy into the culture. Otherwise, like, is it better just to have a year where you're building with what you have, you know, the more conventional way. So I think that's something Virginia fans should take to heart. I'm not saying like I have gotten some inside information that that's what's going on or that they're resolved to that fact. But I think it's a, you know, it's something you have to consider. We don't know some of these guys. There's reasons some of these guys ended up in smaller schools, right? Um, and I'm not talking about specifically about any of the guys you've mentioned, but, you know, guys who end up in programs kind of off the map and are in the transfer and really talented, sometimes got there <laughs> for, for bad reasons. So, yeah, I think it's – if you're a Virginia fan, your your course needs to be, you know – it's just see what happens. I mean, it's still really early in the process, like you said. Um, and even now, like, you know, you've got these guys declaring for the draft and entering the transfer portal, which could result in some, some waves months from now, like, you know, someone else might commit to a school and think they're good. And then someone drops out of the NBA draft and transfers into that same school. So um, it's going to be interesting. One thing that is also, worth kind of talking about a little bit and i think dave's right in the sense of you know in the past we've we've thought about virginia and transfers in a very different situation right um you could make an argument that the hauser edition was a little bit more like this than maybe the the sort of normal way that virginia's added transfers but certainly this offseason is considerably different given not just the dudes who have left but also sort of the guys who you know for all intents and purposes, were seniors, even if they didn't necessarily exhaust their eligibility, so to speak, right? That, it's not as stable, anywhere near as stable uh, as it's been. Um, and what they're looking to add feels more like, um, it feels more like an abundance of necessity than it does um, 
kind of a you know advantageous sort of situation, right? Like it does feel like it's necessary. Yeah, they're and, not like complimenting what's there. They're trying right. to like build a team. Right, exactly. It's like, you know, there's there's it's not necessarily that the cupboard is bare, but what is it what is there is is not complete by any stretch. And that's what no, essentially I think, they've got seven dudes on scholarship. I mean, I think you right. have to assume Trey's not gonna be back, you know, and, and be happy if he comes back. But that leaves you seven dudes and one of those guys is a foreigner. We should you know? we we should uh we should we should clarify that when Dave says that, he's not saying that because he knows anything, so so don't freak out. <laughs> not that we know anything. Not yeah, that right? we know anything. I love how last week Dave is very much like covering everybody's butt, but today he's like, listen, since we know Trey Murphy's not coming back, I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> no, man. I said, no, Tap I the brakes there, fellow. assume Trey Murphy's not coming back. Be I don't, well, I think you have to prepare. I wouldn't say assume. I would say you have to prepare for the possibility. Right. Well, now, I mean, they're at, operating with much more information than we are. No, so. that's true. And I think, listen, NBA decisions are <laughs> completely uh, different, right? Like, there's so much that goes into that. And I mean, I, I think there were definitely times when, um, you know, there were definitely times when um, we were talking about after the championship, right? So we knew Dre was going. You know, I talked to people who thought for sure Kyle was going to come back. And yet he never seriously considered coming back. He was always going to bet on himself. So yeah, even I mean, in those he came out with that statement like really far before the deadline and was like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. And I, and I think what's interesting about that in hindsight is that like we think I think we we got to be mindful that like sometimes coaches are a little insulated. Right. And so they might look at a situation, whether it's a guy who might be transferring when under the old rules, like there's at least one transfer. I'm not naming the name, but there was at least one transfer over the years that I can promise you shocked the staff in part because they couldn't believe like the timing of it. Right. Um, and then, you know, there've definitely been guys who I think, um, you know, folks around the program thought, Oh yeah, they'll come back. You know, um, whether that's, you know, guys who maybe were t- thinking about leaving or guys who, you know, were going to go pro. I, I right now, my, my, my advice on Murphy is that you have to, prepare yourself for the possibility that he leaves and that if I was going to give you a um an odd uh, you know, give the odds right now like I think it's a you know leaving's probably the favorite um I'm not sure how much the mar- you know what the what the plus is um you know like I don't I'm not sure I see it um as um a foregone conclusion or anything like that but it's certainly a, a real viable thing that you know, it was not a thing I think many folks, myself included, expected before the season. Now, in terms of where the roster is right now, if Virginia gets Gardner and Fleming, will you be? I want. I don't want to phrase this. Will you be happy with if those are the two additions and there's nobody else? Ferber, if those are the two guys and Virginia were lucky enough to add both of them, how do you feel about Virginia going into next season? Um, that would be pretty dependent on the mer- uh what Trey does. Um, all right, let's 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 do let's do uh, in this uh, what if mystery science theater. They mm-hmm. get Fleming, they get uh Gardner, and they and Trey stays in the draft. Okay. Um, which by the way, as far as I know, he has not entered. Um, right? yeah, at least that's like, yet he hasn't said anything. Yeah, he probably. hasn't said anything. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I I would feel I, I'll just kind of take it in a different direction if Mer- if he came back i would feel ecstatic about adding those two guys i think they would have a really good team um because i think those guys are mature players who have been around played a lot of minutes def- can defend can rebound can score inside 
I think that there would be a, a, a real natural transition to UVA, whereas some guys it maybe didn't work out so well right away. Um, without him, without um, Trey, I, I think I mentioned it already. I think you need to figure out a way to, to score outside. And that's hilarious considering what just happened this year. You know, they had a team that could only score outside. And now if you lose Huffhauser and Murphy, um, and you lost Morcel, Woldetensai, uh, Jabri, who obviously didn't play much. Uh, Morcel, obviously, not like a wasn't exactly a sharpshooter from deep, but he's a guy that would take the ball and shoot it. <laughs> you know, so it's like where are you going to get your outside scoring? And I think you absolutely need outside scoring in college basketball now to be viable. Um, you know, and and like I said, Fleming and Gardner aren't like the worst three point shooters ever, but Gardner doesn't take many of them, and Fleming is like thirty two percent, I think. Um, last year so not the strength of their game I think you would have to figure out where you're going to get your outside shooting from um, because I think Kihei thrives when other guys are out there to sort of space the floor and give him room to shoot um, and then other than that I mean you're looking at guys like Statman who you know um, has health concerns or had health concerns and before that he wasn't he didn't really let's just call a spade a spade he hasn't showed much you know in his career like nothing that would make you think he's going to blow up next year um and then Tane Murray who hasn't really played at all so we don't know what we're going to get um I I'd feel really good about those two guys regardless but I feel like whether or not how I feel about like the team overall and their offense um will largely depend on who's shooting from the outside if those two guys are getting to the rim Dave what do you think if 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 Virginia were to add now I guess I guess I want to ask you the question both ways. You can answer it. If if it's Fleming and 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 Gardner, all right, and we're just using this, um, you know, as a thought experiment. Um, and you can you can you can go on whether they do or don't, like whether Trey does or does not come back. But essentially, if that's the roster, how how do you feel about that? With Trey, uh, same as I mean, same as Justin. I mean, with Trey, look. Uh, Trey, I might take Trey over those two, just because I know what he, I know he knows the system better, right? Well, that He's a little the, more that proven. Wasn't the, that wasn't the one. Um, so I'm saying, like, I'm saying, like, if Trey's on the team, I think it changes dramatically what I think of the other two. Um, if Trey's not on the team, like, I mean, maybe it makes it more like Virginia's got to do something, right? Um, so certainly Fleming and and um, Gardner would be welcome additions. I think Gardner's. You know, he, he's a great scorer. He, he kind of negates what we complained about with this previous year's team. And, you know, Justin hit it. My one concern with Fleming is he he shoots a lot to get the points he scores. And he will not – like, he's not a super efficient player. Um, he's kind of a high-volume guy. and But you got to have someone at the two to score or, you know, play in three. Like, I, I'm assuming if you're talking about that lineup, you're probably starting Beekman, Clark, Fleming – Gardner and one big, right? Um, but that's not a great team. All I'm, all I'm thinking about that team is you better not get into foul trouble. Um, and they better be in a place of minutes. But practices is going to be <laughs> not very good. Um, I think it's the same as last week. It's it's the unknown. It's just can Statman get healthy and kind of show improvement? You know, after years of being in the system, you know, can Shedrick same thing stay on the court and then. Maybe we get lucky with Tate Murray, who I'm a little more confident in than some others. Um, 
but understand the skepticism because of where he plays. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a great team, but you know, at some point we've been pretty blessed. I mean, I can't remember what point of the season it was where that stat was going around how you know Virginia had lost less games in the ACC over the three year last three, the previous three seasons than every other team had lost in a single season. Um, you had to be early in the year, right? Like, because Duke hadn't lost six at that point. But, I mean, you can't be like a Barney Stinson mixtape. You can't be all Ross. There's going to be a bad year every now and then. So um, maybe this is the one. But you know, I'd certainly feel better with Gardner and Fleming than I would rolling out with seven dudes. Yeah, and part of the thing, too, you know, you mentioned before, like, they have to do calculus of, like, is this guy worth bringing in or is it better to yeah. roll with what we've got? The problem with rolling what you with what you got, not just depth. Like in 2017, I would say they rolled with what they got after Nichols got kicked off the team. Yeah. Um, not that they had a choice, but they were like, "Hey, we're going to be a young team, but the dividends will pay off next year when we have T- Kyle and Ty having played all these minutes and Dre, you know, like cooling his heels, redshirting, um, and obviously, I think Mamadi was barely playing at that point, and obviously Jay redshirted. Um, but this year, like, that doesn't exist. You have one guy that's coming in that's new, and he's going to play. Like, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play. Yeah, um, he's got to. Yeah, and it's and then the rest of the team, it's like you're not building for anything. You have Kihei as a senior. Um, Junior slash senior. <laughs> yeah, obviously you got Beekman. Um, but, again, like with Kihei, it's not like he's going to benefit from extra minutes. Like, yeah. you know, it's, we know what we've got. Um, Beekman, I think, will play a lot and will be – building towards something but other than that i mean who who is who are you like trying to get exposure for like the big run they're going to make in the future like yeah Shedrick, i guess like everybody else is like a, a veteran even you know you mentioned cody Savin, like he's a veteran player like um you know you're just going to be like play, playing off the string until you get a new team the next year yeah i mean I, look stabin has got potential like i mean I, we've kind of busted on the guy over the years but he's been in the system he knows the system and when he, you know it's at times when he's open he can shoot right um you know but on next year's team he could potentially be a starter if not the first man off the bench so you need something from him and we're talking about seven we're named like you know that seven includes that carson mccorkle hasn't played much it includes yeah you know kafaro who you know is has got his limitations but i think kafaro um, I mean, he's going to be a starter be a, next year, probably. He, he has to, especially if you get a guy like Gardner, because I think, you know, Gardner's not going to be able to be a blocker, you know, because he's got to get the ball. So um, it's interesting to me, like in an ideal world, let's assume you get Gardner and Fleming, right? I think the best other things that could happen for Virginia would be to somehow talk um, Waldo into coming back just because he could bring you some points off the bench even though he's not an elite defender and I've got no signs that he wants to be back. I, I don't know what the story is there. Obviously he's got the option to return, um, but doesn't seem to be any smoke that that's happening. Or you just um, have to hope that McCorkle takes a big leap, a big like, leap or Tane Murray is legit. Or Tane Murray is one. Joe Harris. <laughs> but even if all of those things hit, even if, you know, you got Kihei and you got Reese and Tane Murray is good and you get Gardner and you're Fleming and then Shedrick showed you something. That's not a deep team. I mean, you got to get lucky. Um, you're gonna. What are you gonna do when those guys are on the floor? What are you gonna do in foul trouble? And you know, who are you practicing against? And I know that sounds like a joke, but you know, one of the things that benefit the best Virginia teams is, you know, they they practiced against good dudes. Um, so I don't know. It's just a weird year. Maybe McNeely can reclassify. I don't. 
<laughs> that'd be great. But um, the Waldo piece, like the more I keep playing around with what what's out there transfer wise, and with, like we like it's been mentioned before, there's going to be more dudes. Um, so maybe one pops up who who's great. And we there's several we haven't even mentioned. Like we're in the top five for what Monsanto is that his name? Um, the guy from where is he? Tennessee State, East Tennessee, or something? Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. and then like uh, Noah Locke. Like I don't. Yeah, know and there's also and there's, there, there, there are going to be some 21 kids too who are going to you know come on. Brad's cousin's a, still out there. Yeah, I think he's going back to Indiana though. He, yeah. he called my uncle and. <laughs> um, you, your dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. If he's if he's my cousin, he called his uncle. Yeah. He called his dad, who's my uncle. See, that's the oh joke. yeah, See, you're. On, I get it. Yeah, you I just stepped you. all over that. Um, so uh, I want to go back to something Dave said a minute ago. Um, I guess I want to I want to make sure nobody like you know hate emails or DMs us. Uh, he said there are going to be more transfers. He meant in the nation. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, in the nation. He yeah, did yeah. not mean from Virginia's <laughs> roster. Okay, so put down your pitchforks. All right. Um, Don't I, I want to. I, I want to. Yeah, exactly. Please. Um, or email forever. Um, I, I want to move to some football. Um, and I, we haven't even talked about Hubert Davis yet. Um. Which I, I, I really do want to talk about, but I don't. I guess we're not going to talk about it tonight. But listen, did I dial into the Carolina podcast? No, I but I just I okay, have takes and sure. I didn't want to put them on Twitter. <laughs> and this is the one place where I can go where I can just talk about things. Listen, no, we got the Patreon. All right, we. So we we've done a pretty good job, I think, of being realistic, and I and I just want to shout I, I show like a an alternate theory, right? This is like Clue, right? Where you have like you know it could have happened this way, and it could have happened this way, but it did happen this way. They've given you a really good understanding of like the, the complexity of the situation. I just want to offer up the fact, the, the 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 potential, right? The facts are this: that like there are a lot of shots available to somebody, right? Like ultimately, this is one of the fun things about injuries. Sometimes a, a really good player will get hurt, and people will be like, "Oh, that team is so screwed." And then somebody else will play well, and you're like, "Oh, well, maybe they didn't need him." Well, no, they still needed him. They just, you know, somebody had to take those shots. Virginia's going to have a lot of shots available to somebody. Now, maybe the dudes taking those shots are not necessarily good shooters, what have you. Maybe it doesn't, uh, it's not always Maybe they great, don't go in. <laughs> right? Maybe, that's right. Maybe they don't look good. Maybe they don't go in. But somebody's going to take them. And what if do some of them do go in? And I'm not saying that as like a scientific, you know, triple turns out. I'm just saying like, you know, the simple idea that we haven't seen more of or we don't have evidence that like the lack of evidence does not necessarily mean that there can't be right it 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 certainly means that like your expectation level for what will be should probably be in check but for example McCorkle could come out there next year and you know he could score seven eight points a game and that might not you know move mountain and earth but that would be pretty good step in the right direction right um this is a program ultimately that historically has done well at developing dudes. And I think that one of the things that really surprised me last night in, and and how I'm connecting this back to the national title game was just how not physical Gonzaga was. Now I understand Dave's probably chomping at the bit to mention, because he said this earlier, they're like Gonzaga sort of pushed UVA around, right? Imagine if they played Baylor. My bigger point though, is that like Virginia historically is a very physical team. And I don't think that, um, in hindsight, you know, much like Bronco said, you know, one of the mistakes he made was sort of setting up for um, success for the football team last fall 
in terms of being able to stay healthy. You know, clearly whatever Virginia was doing for practices and stuff, they were not physical, right? That that was evident all season, and I'm not necessarily sure that it had as much to do with talent as, as it did just sort of um, the situation at hand, right? It, I'm not saying don't don't believe what your eyes told you about the, the guys you saw this year. I'm just saying that, like, somebody's going to take some shots, and the dudes that they have brought in of late have been relatively offensive-minded, right? Murray is certainly a dude who seems like he's ready to buck the the trend of the international guys not necessarily being quite um, up to expectations. So maybe he comes in and and he's ready to to be a major contributor. Maybe it's still a ways off for him. But um, and he's also a guy that like he's the exception when it comes to like offers and things like that. Like you know the uh, those other guys were like flyers. And UVA yeah. hit some and didn't. That hit kid some. has played a lot of basketball. Yeah. He had like you know? big offers and like is like a top one hundred. And I mean, listen, and, and in the case of both Statman and Shedrick, right, because of their illnesses, you know, they, they you can't really grade them on the season. They got to get incompletes, right? Um, if they decide to, you know, if they're able to and da, 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 all that stuff, like, you know, it's hard to say what they will or won't be. Um, and I think the, the, the reason I'm kind of going down this road is because ultimately for me, it's not necessarily hand wringing and worry. It's just uncertainty. And that's not a thing that we typically have when we talk about Virginia basketball, right? Typically, you know exactly what you're going to get, and maybe it deviates a little bit, but not much, right? The the massive question mark that will be this team, regardless of what they do for the next few weeks or a couple months or whatever, um, is going to be the main storyline going into next year. Speaking of storylines, uh, Virginia football is back in spring ball for the first time since forever ago. Didn't have one in 2020, much to the chagrin of people like Brendan Armstrong, who really could have used... Uh, that time. Um, and I'm just curious, uh, you know, given what, you know, what's come out, um, you know, certainly Bronco sounded really high uh, on the offensive line and sort of the running game potential um, in talking to different folks. It certainly sounds to me like the offensive line is, is at times dominant right now, um, which is not usually the way this works. Usually the defense is a little bit ahead, um, but that has not been the case so far. Um, if you saw those videos that uh, Virginia put out, Saturday was like Noah Taylor talking about, you know, the offense wasn't going to do this. And then afterwards, basically guys giving him some, uh, some crap because, you know, clearly the offense played pretty well. Um, I'm just curious to get some, some thoughts and some, some opinions on sort of what, uh, what has sort of come out and what you've heard from, you know, the various assistants who have talked to, to media folks and players we've talked to so far. Ferber, let's start with you. Um, what, do you, have you paid much attention to it? What, what's, what's your sort of, um, your your bandwidth for that right now yeah i mean it it's so weird i guess after having the year off you're like oh yeah spring football like it's just you know it just kind of pops up on the radar but um it's good to see you know the full complement of players out there and there's always guys missing in spring ball because of surgeries and stuff from the off season but um i think this will be a very pivotal spring for uva just because um you know i don't want to diminish what happened last year like but the way I look at last year is it was like almost like a spring practice where you got to play teams and um, we got to learn a lot about what's on the roster. Um, obviously we did close the careers of several players who were great at UVA, but I, I think they have a lot of, you know, good pieces coming back this year. They got a lot of good experience in the season last year and Armstrong, I guess would be the number one person there, but 
Um, you think about a guy like Keaton Thompson, you know, who comes in as a quarterback and um, because of everything that happened with him physically and then everybody else on the roster, um, he ends up playing this kind of weird slash role and does well. And now like that sets him up for a big year this year, potentially in that role, you know, expanded. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they build on what happened last year. And then also like, I think more so than any other year, what some of what we saw last year might not translate to 2021. Um, just because, you know, you think about a guy like Ronnie Walker who like barely played um, or barely got snaps. Like maybe this year he's able to, with more time and real practices and, and, you know, all that going into the season, maybe he's able to have a bigger impact um, and, and go from there. And, and then also, you know, they, they had a few key guys that decided to come back Um you know, from last year that, that didn't have to, but they decided to come back for their last year of eligibility. And then you had a few guys that opted out that are now back. So um, I, I think this team is is sort of reloading and getting ready to come back and um, hit things hard. And they've got a, a fun schedule in the fall. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But obviously we don't – there's no – you know, with spring football, the, the thing that's tough about it is there's not like at the end of spring, it's not like Broncos going to get up there and be like, you know, we went eight and four in spring practice. Like you can't like win spring practice. You just have to get better and we won't see them get better until they spike games, you know, in, in September. You know what I actually was just thinking about before you said the part about they can't, you know, it's it's hard to know, like to quantify, like how good, how much better you get. Yeah. It's not like he's going to grade the practices and tell us, Well, you know? I, but he, he, he does, they do from the standpoint of like, you know, the grades and everything. I actually wouldn't mind them coming out later and, and you know, at the end of spring ball and, and Broncos saying like, Hey, one of the big things for the offense was, you know, valuing the ball. And, you know, Brennan Armstrong did a really good job, such and such, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not necessarily your, your point is yeah. well taken. Like it's not the same thing as like them being quote unquote better, but, not turning the ball over would be a heck of a step in the right direction, right? Because it sounds like offensively they're going to have a lot of pieces. Now, um, you know, some of those some of those things are you, know, you have to shake out in terms of, you know, sort of like the longevity piece, right? Because, like, w- it doesn't matter what you have in spring if you can't get to fall healthy and you can't get off the bus, you know what I mean? But the a big a big thing for me is this offense could have been a lot better last year had they not turned the ball over so much. And, you know, I thought in talking to Armstrong today, he, he, his point about like, look, we put, I put the defense in some really bad spots. His, his, you know, his uh, sort of appreciation for like his role in that. I thought that was, that was a really good sign. And if nothing else, it shows that he understands the big picture. Now getting to the place where he doesn't turn the ball over, that's obviously what matters most. Dave, what about you? Any, what's standing out to you in terms of what you've seen and heard so far? Well, it's that dangerous time of season, right, where no one really pays attention to any other teams except their own. So I think this is what breeds preseason awesomeness disease is like you're only reading about your own team. Um, But, I mean, generally, even before practice, spring practice started, like I was excited about the potential for this offense. And, um, like, I mean, I think we've had our discussions about the traditional running game and all that stuff over the the past few years. but even, you know, taking that discussion included, like this offense has playmakers at multiple positions, more so than any offense in many, many years. Um, not just potential playmakers, like proven playmakers, right? Um, and, you know, obviously last year wasn't great. Um, ended the season on kind of a dud. And 
but some you know some guys who are going to play pivotal roles this year showed some stuff and i think for me like the the one thing the the most exciting thing i've seen this spring isn't necessarily any clips from the games or stuff it's bronco talking a few weeks ago and just being candid about especially the secondary play right like I mean, I know like they didn't have last spring football season, so but they should have had their postseason eval from the Orange Bowl year, um, and said, okay, well the secondary's got issues, but uh, I legit think Bronco was hoping it would get better last year, and he kind of admitted maybe they waited too long to make some changes, and he didn't only say like coaching changes that we've seen with, you know, um, you know changes in the in the secondary coaches, but he also said schematic changes, which is interesting to hear from a you know from a defensive guy so look uh we i think we've all we've all multiple times said how we impressed we are with bronco and it's kind of the way he breaks down things it's you know identifying and, and fixing are two different issues but certainly at least he's publicly identified it now and i think at times when it was struggling they kind of i don't want to say glossed over it but made excuses for the for bad secondary play um and i think it was hunter and it wasn't was it Papinga or Hunter you interviewed this? You ran the report on uh, Papinga. Papinga, yeah. He mentioned like what we had talked about, like with the you know poor underneath coverage from the inside linebackers. So I, I kind of like that because I think you know for this team to go places, the defense is going to have to improve, especially against big plays. So I'm excited. I mean, you know, with Keaton and you know Davis back and Wicks healthy and you know Kemp back, like there's there's a lot of pieces. Um, I mean, you'll find yourself like talking about weapons and remembering there's a, a you know another dude, um, yeah, you know my guy, Mr. Woods. So, so there's a there's, <laughs> I was, there's a lot. <laughs> I debated whether I was going to claim him, but I got to claim him before Justin throws him throws me under the bus for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just there's I'm excited for football. I'm excited for a norm. Hopefully, we get a normal football season. We know something weird doesn't come up. Um, but you know, you can you can tell just watching, and I'm sure you guys have seen all the social media stuff of the guys in the weight room. Like, you can tell that's a like these guys long like being having that camaraderie again and being able to get together and, and push each other through those challenges. So, like, I miss that. Um, I think we all do. Yeah, I was gonna. I was I was wondering if you were gonna put it out there that that uh, Woods was your was your guy going into the season. Um, April sixth, yeah, the yeah. early, the earliest, uh, like <laughs> the earliest claiming of a guy. We have every tight end. Like, just assume the new tight end is Dave. Yeah, that's true. Dave earlier tonight said, "No, no, we we gotta have, wait till the my guy episode." Um, but I'm still, I'm still not sure what I'm gonna do between Davis and Wicks. Um, I, I, Ferber, I have to, I have to decide that before you can, uh, you can try to snag one of them. I'm gonna have to go in a different direction. I'll, okay. I'll figure something out. He's gonna be like Brendan Armstrong's my guy. <laughs> He's gonna put up mad numbers. He wasn't um, eligible last year. We oh, remember because we we made it, we did it so like only certain guys like we you said we said you couldn't take like Snowden or Arm like a guy oh, that's yeah, like that's too right. obvious. It yeah. has to be like a random person, um, like yeah. Lavelle Davis who came yeah. out of nowhere. Um, I mean, he didn't come out of nowhere. Somebody told you about it. He came out saying. of Dorchester, South Carolina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I think uh, we'll have to come up with something when we get closer to the season. Yeah. If, if, what, what happens is I watch too many of those clips. That's you true. know that they put that's out during right. during fall camp, and then that's how you end up with your guy being like uh, Terrell Chapman or whatever. Yeah, poor poor Terrell Chapman. Um, 
Yeah, I kind of claim Chapman too. Rayshon Henry, there's a guy who's who shows stuff who's back this year. Yeah, like that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Well, I thought Broncos' point about, um, you know, like the whole like if you're a super senior and you want to come back, um, you know, we I mentioned to Elliot Brown the other day. I was like, you know, Broncos said, you know, hey guys, you, you can't just come back. And I'm curious to see how that sort of impacts them through the rest of the year. Cause he, I think it's pretty clear that he, he means that like, um, you know, you can look back at last year and the issues and stuff, but I, I think that there are a handful of those guys who he expected to yield more. Right. And they just didn't. And certainly, you know, cross moving to safety, um, you know, because of the, uh, the Johnson kid at corner, um, you know, we get, um, I don't I don't know what day it is. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe I mean excuse me, Thursday. But we get soon we get Brumfield and um I believe we get Grant and Bratton. So I think that the fact that they're giving us Bratton is a, is a, is an interesting sign in general, right? But um you know, I just I I, I think that the, what's interesting about this is something Papinga said. He's talking about depth across the whole not just at the linebacking core, but like basically everywhere. This is support they're kind of in a spot where like they're like the Gosh, I don't know. Have I ever said this about Virginia football versus Virginia basketball? Like they're kind of in a better spot. They're kind of at the place where you just want to be, where like every position has multiple options. Like even if you talk about quarterback, like you might think like, oh, you know, they don't have a clear number two who can just sort of take over the team. But they've got some interesting options, especially with the Rodriguez kid in camp, or excuse me, in spring, right? Um, every at basically every position, they've got options, and they're legitimate options now we might not have seen those guys play a lot of reps um and we might have some questions in terms of like how they go i mean half of my um season in review was was really about that but um i don't know i really i mean i think papinga's right like i really like where virginia's depth is right now and i think that's going to be really interesting to track throughout spring especially going into the spring game yeah, I mean, um, I'm not. I'm less worried about depth across the board than I've probably ever been. Right? Um, exactly. Yeah. It's 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 weird. It's a weird feeling. I mean, maybe you could say maybe corner just because like they had some issues there last year, but um, there's a lot of guys there. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Yeah, so plenty of bodies. Yeah. Um, so uh, I want to say something before we we wrap up. So the other week, Ferber got an idea, right? And he wrote he wrote a thing. And that thing ended up being five parts of a massive series. And I was like, dude, like this thing's like five pieces. And he's like, yeah, I really got rolling. Um, I just want to give a public shout out to Ferber for like literally, I mean, I've joked before about, you know, his opus before, like that thing was, I mean, just the amount of information and sort of the way you methodically went through, like how to explain it. I was incredibly like blown away. Like I could not do that. Like, I, I'm my brain just does not work that way. Like you built like a case and you like went step by step and you had all this like, you know, evidence and such. I was just, I just want to give a shout out to that, that thing. I mean, it basically carried the site for a whole week. I mean, I loved it, but well then a, it's like every tournament game after I wrote it, I'm like, all right, how is this game going to screw up what I said? <laughs> like, how is this, how is this game going to like undo yeah, that's everything true. that I that's, said? That's a good point. And like, none of them did, man. None of that's them true. did. Well, that's the true. only thing you could say is that Baylor's like defensive efficiency isn't as good, but if you watch them play, they're much better defensively. I think than the efficiency numbers. Do. Yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, they're like they third stretches. in turnovers. But if you look at that first 10 minutes of that game where they pretty much won it, their defense yeah, was did, just dude. nasty. I yeah, remember, they were suffocating. 
I remember texting you guys like the second or third possession, and I was like, look, Gonzaga might turn this around, but they're way too physical. Like, mm-hmm. this thing, like, it, it, I don't know if I've ever seen more a, a more a better description of uh, matchups make fights, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it was pretty was just, glaring, yeah. Like, And I just, I don't know, maybe you guys expected it, but I didn't go into that game thinking Baylor was going to take him behind I the I expected it after the first four minutes. To be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, when yeah they, for sure. When right. they got it to 9 nothing, I was like, oh, this is the thing. But before yeah. the game, obviously, I didn't. I would, yeah, I, I, had I really thought, I, you know, I really was, I thought, you know, Gonzaga, you know, Suggs would, would have a lot more room to operate than Baylor ever allowed him to have. I was very impressed, but. Anyway. Yeah, but that's another thing that kind of like keep in mind too is you know Baylor, um, Baylor sort of fits the mold for what we were talking about in that piece where it's like, you know, if if all they could do is force turnovers but couldn't score, then what? You know, I saw some tweets that were like, "Good offense beat good defense," and it's like, yeah, that might be true, but like Baylor went and scored the points. Like it, <laughs> they didn't just like force takeaways and then like dribble around. Like they went and scored. Like they made four threes in a row to start the game. Um, you got to score, um, and that was a big part of the piece. But another thing to keep in mind, and I almost said this earlier in the podcast, but um, two of their key players, um, Maceo Teague yeah. and Adam Flagler, are both Can't transfers yeah. from the Big South, specifically where Fleming played. Um, and Carly Jones obviously was another one. Um, so don't think because guys come from small schools that they can't play. Like Maceo Teague was a guy that I believe, and I looked this up, that U- UVA like got in yes. the market for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you know, he, he played was. at UNC Asheville. He was pretty highly coveted, um, and ended up at Baylor and played a big role in, in winning the title for them. And then Flagler was like a role player and certainly had a big role, but he's going to be back next year and, and play a lot for them. So. And yeah, I, mean, I mean, heck, you they can, were. You can go out and do the thing in the transfer portal. Yeah, Teague was a guy. Butler was a guy. I mean, like they were, you know. Mm. The one thing I noticed in that game, it kind of reiterated, you know, what you, what you saw from Virginia. And I, I'm trying to remember where in your articles you. I know you probably brought it up, Justin, and all those words I may have forgotten. But when your defense is locked in like that, it is so much easier to shoot offensively, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm gonna shoot this three. If I miss it, who cares? They're not scoring. So, like, you can see Baylor was just so loose when they were shooting because they knew Gonzaga couldn't score them. And I think they had a a thing where, like, they were like, we got them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could see it in their eyes. They were like, we we can beat them, you know. Um, Because you don't know until you play, and then it's like, oh, it's there, you know. Yeah, and I think it's it's weird. I know a lot of people measure, like, postseason success by making the Final Four. But to me, like, I think it's way easier to make the Final Four than it is to win the title. And I'm not saying that just because Virginia's only won, you know, won the title when they got there with Tony, but you see it every year. Like these teams come in that are good, they get to the Final Four, but that means every other team you're playing is on a hot streak. And like I mean, the, every round you go, you're playing someone on a streak. It's just, I mean, yeah, even you. There's a reason the they didn't get there by accident. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I mean, they they had talented players and and Cronin, like you know, he's not everybody's favorite, but he can coach. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's hard. I, th- I think, and, and I don't want to be like a downer, but I think if people saw what they did two years ago and think like, this is the norm, it's like, that yeah. doesn't work. Like that's not the norm for anybody. Like who is, who is going to the final four every year? Nobody like, you know, look at the final four teams this yeah. year, Baylor, yeah. uh, UCLA, Houston and, um, and Gonzaga. 
and then go back to 2019, none of those teams made it. Go back a year before, I don't think any of those teams were in the Final Four. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's just how it is. Like, it, there's a rotation, but, you know, if you, that's what we've said before. It's like you make a deep run long enough, eventually you'll get there. Yeah, and the one thing, not to prolong this pro- podcast even longer, but, you know, F- Ferber and I were getting these weird, like, conversations about, you know, let's compare this to this, right? So you start going back and look historically, like, you know, you look at Jay Wright at Villanova. He's been there like almost twice as long as Tony's been at UVA. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of parallels, right? But as you, when you start doing that, you realize that like comparing, say, 2010 to the mid-90s when Duke was making the Final Four every year is a wasted exercise. The game has changed so much. Yeah, exactly. It's but, like, oh, people are like, oh, Tony loses all these first-round games. And one of the first things I thought was like, well, in the 80s, like Ohio wouldn't, they'd have been a 16 seed or something. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or you wouldn't have been to watch that game on TV and no one would have cared. Right. Anyway, um, but the other thing is like even when you start doing it now, now versus five years ago, like when Villanova went to, I think Villanova went to two out of three Final Fours, won the championship, lost maybe it was three in a row, but they, they lost a, the second year, the year in between the titles, they lost in the second round. Yeah, but they went to like you know two right there, but that was a lot of the same roster, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of this, a lot of repetition. That was before the transfer portal. Like the transfer portal, I think, is going to make render this whole thing. It's going to render like traditional, you know, if you're going to choose, you're going to judge your team by postseason success when you can have roster turnover like we're seeing right now on a yearly basis. You're, it's going to be a exercise in futility. One thing I'll add, and then we'll wrap up. Um, <laughs> we've always we've always talked a lot about. You know, there's not just like on this podcast or just, you know, about UVA specifically, but the idea between reloading and rebuilding. Right. And you're not really a, a powerhouse until you just reload. Right. I I think that if if the transfer situation is can continue to be what it's become right now, if that continues to be a thing in any way, shape or form. Um, nobody will be able to rebuild without reloading right like it's like you're adding like offload to that right exactly (laughs) it's like there's so much that has to happen that it's not just like oh you lost a couple pieces and you added a couple pieces but like you got to add you it's like the it's like the continuation of addition is staggering you know like it stacks right like it's not just like oh you got to go out every spring and find a couple dudes but then you also got to keep recruiting and like ultimately yeah recruiting is the lifeblood of your program but it's also it's going to be that to the point where like you're almost going to do as much recruiting if not more than obviously you ever have but it's probably more than you do coaching you know what i mean like the results are going to exponentially matter more because you're going to have to sell your program all the time like to recruits, to new transfers, to guys that, you know, maybe even on your own team who are thinking about transferring. But anyway, that's a podcast for another time. I do think real quick, one thing that we might see is that I think we might see more like one year, like not fluky titles, but like a team just kind of puts it all together one year. Yeah. They're like, like out of not, not like a Duke, but like somebody kind of like a little off the radar. Um, and it's like, oh, they have a bunch of veteran guys, and then they just add the right transfer. They, they like the, the and, Golden and, State Warrior. Aspect, yeah, and they just kind right? of, and they just kind of like, maybe they even fly under the preseason radar. It's like you know, oh, they have a pretty good team, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're, listen, they're, listen, they're listen. where they need to be. 
we are absolutely not that far away from the first college super team where several dudes who know each other from the AU circuit who now transfer to the same place to play with somebody else and that team is absolutely loaded. That's going to happen. And we're not that far from it. Matter of fact, probably the only reason we don't have it is because nobody played AU last year. Yeah, right. and the one thing that kind of holds you back too is that if the players were like absolutely elite, they're already gone, you know, to the right. NBA. So it's going to be basically like really good dudes who just, you know, maybe they're like, like in, a bunch of Walker Kesslers. Right, exactly. They're going into year two. They know this is probably going to be their last year before they go pro, especially if the NBA changes its rule, which is potentially right on the cusp, right? Um, you know, there's there's been talk about that rule changing. I'm telling you, the super team thing, that is absolutely going to happen soon. That is absolutely going to happen. Um, and, and they'll probably lose in the Sweet 16 or something. I was going to say, and then they'll lose. Um, because, I mean, heck, you could watch Baylor last night and be like, dang, that's a super team. Um, the dude with the, with, the, with the mullet barely even played. Didn't even need him. Um, all right, if you are uh, somebody who has found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. And if you don't mind, look us on Apple Podcasts, hit your Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating review, we very much appreciate that. Helps to get us out in front of more people. If you are somebody who's found the pod has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out at Caps Corner. Let's see. You can check out Ferber's uh, – I say this with, like, the total amount of respect, the exhaustive series that he wrote um, in terms of looking at UVA's tournament results and, you know, differences between that and the regular season. Um, all five parts of it um, I thought were just great. Um, I mentioned the Armstrong piece with quotes from him and Jason Beck talking about, you know, cutting down on the interceptions. I talked about Papinga and um, his being excited about not just adding inside linebackers to his plate, but also Virginia's depth. And then I also wrote a thing last week about um, Keaton Thompson and like the unexpectedness of becoming UVA Swiss army knife and yet still having an abs- the absolute time of his life. Like you talk to that kid, he is extremely happy, even if maybe he's not anywhere close to, you know, sort of doing what he thought he would be doing when he decided to transfer to UVA last year. So all of those links will be in your podcast app of choice and in the um, notes or whatever for the um, content item for this uh, program. All right. So, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for getting graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon. There's something in your